part four of A Week with Paul Young. So we'll get started right after this. Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the kingdom age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. All right, we are back for our final part four section with the week with Paul Young. Paul, it's been a pleasure and a delight, and I, I love these conversations. Um, Me too. And I learned so much just by talking with you and, and jumping into things. So in the last part of part three, we talked about diving into Ionis, the Greek word for what yep. is used for age or forever. It's translated in a lot of different ways. Um, but I'm going to let you dive in and share what Sweet. you want to share on this. Yeah, and uh, and this wasn't planned. So I mean, and I, I just happened to have been today reading in this book, which is a translation of the New Testament by David Bentley Hart. You know, and it's 2017 copyright, so it's it's really recent. Okay. And and because uh, we're working on this uh, on the Gospel of John, there's a group of us that are working our way through it, and um, we have Father Bear, who is sort of leading that conversation. He's brilliant, but. But as part of it, um, I was I was reading in the background, which is in the back pages, is called the Concluding Scientific Postscript. Now, this is David Bentley Hart, who is a a big gun. I mean, he he is recognized as not just being incredibly brilliant and witty, but compassionate as well. And um, so he's done a translation of the entire New Testament. All so right. um, so in the in these notes. He, he's talking about translating certain words, or he called it an irregular glossary at the at back here. And so he's like, okay, so there are some words that are an issue here. And he says, the first one is Ionios. The very um, first one. Which is the first one, which is <laughs> in most traditional translations, he says, is rendered as eternal or everlasting, except in the many instances where such a reading would be absolutely nonsensical. And I have discovered that there are many Christians whose who sometimes furious objection to any other rendering revolves around a single verse, Matthew 25, 46. Mm -hmm. After mm -hmm. all, in the original yeah. Greek of the New Testament, there really are only three verses that seem to threaten eternal punishment for the wicked. And he puts in parentheses, though, in fact, none of them actually does. Yeah. And many yeah. who are doctrinally or emotionally committed to the idea of eternal torment for the unelect would feel gravely bereaved if the delicious clarity of the seemingly most explicit of those verses were allowed to be obscured behind a laze of lexical indeterminacy. To those I can only say, if they really wish to believe in the everlasting torment of the reprobate, they're perfectly free to do so, whether there is any absolutely unquestionable scriptural warrant for doing so or not. And then again, even the Greek word typically rendered as punishment in that verse raises problems of translation. And he goes on later to talk about that. More to the point, there are three immense difficulties that militate against the traditional rendering of Ionios in the New Testament. And then he breaks those down. So, so we're not just blowing smoke here. Right, there, right. There, there is serious scholarship with regard to this. And it's, he's going to end up saying that 
the proper translation in almost all cases is age or ages. And it's, it's a, it's a limited duration of time. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, and you know, what's, what's interesting too, is that, you know, I was part of a think tank group that was working on science and theology projects. And it was this word Ionios that, that, that got me into incredible trouble. And it was a free form think tank. We had a commitment to one another that, um, that whatever we talked about would not leave the boundaries of the, of the room. Right. And we met like once a quarter and stuff like that for a few years. And my mom, my mom said, sent me this note and said, you know, we don't know the Greek, but there's a guy in our church that's saying things about this word Ionios. And, uh, and can you do a little word study for us? So I did. And that word study just blew me away. Um, and, and so I presented it as part of a 66 page paper that I didn't read the whole thing, but that was, I, I, I put together this thing for this group. And there was a seminary professor there who just, his immediate response was, I don't think that you're even a believer anymore. I, I mean, and he was serious. And, and, and I mean, and the ripple effect of that was just unbelievable over this one word. You know, and, and here's damned if I do, damned if I don't scenario for a lot of Christians. Because to question eternal conscious torment is, is like to put yourself in jeopardy of eternal conscious torment. I mean, that's the rock and the hard place. When I was dealing with this whole issue uh, for myself personally, um, you know, I, I when I when it was first introduced to me, the idea that hell was not this eternal torment and, and so on and so forth. I really struggled with it because I, you know, believed that it was and I couldn't get past it. But then I just, you know, father just downloaded something to me. He asked me a question and he, he goes, he, he basically asked me, what is in you? me talking about me what is in you that makes you want to interpret scripture according to this idea that there's an eternal hell so i mean that's what we have to do we have to put those glasses on as we're looking at scripture and then we have to kind of twist you know and you know interpret things in such a way so that it kind of leans that direction he says what's in me that makes me want to do that versus taking the fact that it says god is love and look at interpreting scripture according to that because you will interpret the Greek and the Hebrew differently if you have a mindset of God is love and has my best in mind versus God's out to get me and he's going to burn me in hell forever. Yeah, which means that God is under the law. And, and that's a big deal. Like, no, yeah. there is a law that actually has, has priority over the goodness of God and the love yeah. of God. And, and God submits to that law. And, and it's like, why would we, why, what would be in us? Well, Bruce Coburn's got a song that is, we all love to see justice done on somebody else. <laughs> yes, you know? exactly. You know, and it's like, what's been done in the name of Jesus? What's been done in the name of Buddha? What's been done in the name of Confucius? So what's been done in the name of man? We all love to see justice done on somebody yeah. else. And, and that's that judgment. And this is why in the shack, you know, that scene that has become so significant to a lot of people is where Sophia which is the mm -hmm. wisdom of God says, so Mac, uh, you sit in the seat of judgment. You're good at it anyway. You know, you do it all the time. So you're here to judge, not to be judged. Right. So you sit in the seat and, and so you get to judge everything you get to judge, you get to judge God, you know, and this person who harmed your daughter, 
should they be judged? You know, and, and it starts ripple effect. And then it's like, so Mackenzie, I want you to choose in the movie, it's one of your kids to go mm -hmm. to heaven and one to go to hell, you know, this eternal conscious torment. And finally, he, he does what's in the heart of every healthy human being who loves their child. And that he says, I'll go. Because I already know I'm guilty. I mean, he actually begins to look inside and says, no, no. And, and it's, it's a dismantling of the paradigm through which he sees the universe because he, he is still struggling with the goodness of God that's behind all this. Yeah. And, and there is something that says, well, so does people, do they just get, do, you know, basically, do we just get away with everything? Do we just... And this is where the ages of judgment, I think, mm -hmm. really have a significant part to play. This is, you know, the choices that we make and the ripple effects aren't just nullified by death. You know, it's just like, oh, well, we died and it's all good now mm -hmm. and we're all, mm -hmm. we're all good. You're still going to be salted with fire. You're, you're still going to have wood, hay and stubble burned away. And that burning is not intended to harm you. Whenever we deal with the fire of God, we've got to, we've got to understand that it is curative, cleansing, restorative. And at the time of Jesus, there were two major doctrines about what happens after you die. And the Jews had a, had a, a, a very retributive justice legal point of view about this. Yeah. And, and by the way, if you want to read a great book uh, that's a, a modern book is by uh, Brad Jerzak. PhD and uh, and he has written a book called Her Gates Will Never Be Shut, which is a reference to Revelation 20 and 21, where it talks about the New Jerusalem. That Hebrews, the Epistle to the Hebrews, says we've already we're already there. We're already in the New Jerusalem. You've already come to the heavenly city, the New Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, to you know, and and all this. And so Revelation 20 and 21 are a picture of what we've already come to. And, then, and we could go into that for a long time. But, but in Her Gates Will Never Be Shut, Brad talks about these two major theological positions. One was uh, Jeremiah. You know, that Jeremiah is the one who talked about the lake of fire, talked about um, the burning and all of this stuff, right? And, and that was, and Gehenna, you know, hell which is mm -hmm. Gehenna was the valley of Hinnom outside of Jerusalem yeah, where the garbage yeah. dump was. And, and so... So Molech was sacrificing, the, the, the priests of Molech were sacrificing little babies uh, through fire, making them pass through the fire in the Valley of Hinnom. And Jeremiah took an army in there and just burned the place down to cleanse it from yeah. such a horrible um, perpetration of disaster, right? And so Jeremiah then becomes one of these this is restorative and cleansing fire the the jewish pharisaical tradition was well you've done these things wrong according to the law therefore you have to pay x amount of time and then oftentimes it was like you get annihilated after that so you pay your dues and then boom you're gone you know and uh, and when jesus ever uses the term gehenna referring to to hell he always quotes jeremiah without exception Every time he's, he, he says hell, he quotes Jeremiah saying, hmm. I'm in the line of Jeremiah. This is restorative. This is healing. This is cleansing. It's going to hurt like hell because fire does that. Yeah. You know? And uh, 
And so it is the burning away, but it is the love of God who is, um, what is it? God is a a furious fire. God is, there's a term for, a name for God that is all about fire. And it's true. And this is not, this is not a mamby-pamby God going like, well, it's okay. I mean, you, you, you committed adultery and betrayed people and hurt your children and all that. But, but once you die, it'll be all, you know, it's like, no, you're going to have to work this stuff out. You can either start yeah. now or you're going right. to have to do it later. Now or later. And, and I don't, and the, and the church has always had some imaginations about what that looks like, but it's all imagination at this point. And C.S. Lewis was really good. He says, once you begin speculating about the afterlife, you have now moved into fiction, right? Because <laughs> we don't know except what we see in the person of Jesus. It's a physical yeah. body react, reality that has, capabilities of moving in space time in different ways and and uh, but but who can eat food and who can process food and who can be touched and who can you know human human yes and and yes. Uh, and so you know there's this all this beautiful stuff and it's just like uh we don't know but one of the imaginations is something like what if somebody who has perpetrated evils like adolf hitler mm-hmm the process of reconciliation and redemption for him is to come face to face with each person that he has hurt and hear the stories and listen to them and and weep the losses that he's participated in and i mean how long does that take ages yeah. you know and yet what if it's like that what if what if i follow the thread of my life and i I run into person after person that choices that I made rippled into their lives and I need to own them. You know, that's part of reconciliation. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, good. N- not comfortable. No, that's good. That's good. Um, so this whole thing around the word I own or I own us, um, it's something that I've actually studied into quite a bit myself, but from good. a different angle and for a different perspective. Good. Tell us. And, and I and I'd like to get your take on it because uh, I, I get this feeling that it might not be something you're even interested in going down this road, or you might not uh, like it. But it's it's fine. You know, I, I love just having the conversations. But my study on it has actually taken me down the road of um, the Maseroth and versus you know the zodiac. You know, the Maseroth yeah. is basically yeah. now known as the zodiac, but it's in the Bible, yeah. and. To me, there definitely, absolutely is the gospel in the stars. It's the only clock that God made. And I think we talked about this maybe a little bit on one of our other shows, but it has just meant so much to me to see how from age to age, and an age being, you know, as we shift from one sign to another, and, you know, this isn't astrology. This is just using, you know, the astronomy and, you know, the signs that God has put in the sky. But, you know, Aries was the age that Jesus came into, and it was all about, you know, the, the, the sacrifice of the lamb, you know, the lamb, you know, that's yep. what Aries stands for. And then what was the sign of the age of, you know, Jesus after he came and went? It was the sign of the fish. And there's so many fish stories in the New Testament. And we moved into Jesus was basically our transitionary to move us into the age of Pisces which was the two fish, and, and this has been the Christian age. But we're now at the shift of another age, and we're shifting into Aquarius. You know, the old song had it right, you know. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. But 
But to actually look at this, not from, you know, again, not we're not looking at astrology. We're looking at what, what did God do? I mean, to me, what we see in the stars and the shifting of the ages is so important, you know, for what I've been looking at that, you know, we're moving into this age of Aquarius. Well, what does it mean? Because it's the picture, the symbol is this man pouring water out of a pot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Chris Carter, I've had him on the show many times, and he, this is his stuff. You know, this is his thing. He's written a book about it. Sure. And he talks about the the uh, revelatory sign, which is if you go opposite, you know, you'll see the pie chart. If you go opposite of whatever sign we're moving in and look at the other side, well, the other side that we're moving into um, is Leo. You know, so it's the time of Christ. Anyway, you can take and interpret that so many different ways. But the way that I see it and understand it, it, it that we are moving into a kingdom restoration age yeah. where the sons of God, the, the you know, those of us who are engaging with Father are getting revelation on how to begin restoring the earth, how to begin restoring our relationship with the Father. And I just see so much of this blowing up right now. And even what you were just sharing, that book, you know, by uh, David Hart, that there are so many people now that are writing on this stuff, so much on the Internet now, that when you look down through history and every time something like this kind of rose up, it got squashed out, you know, and then it rises up again, squashed out. I'm believing that it's not going to get squashed out this time. Great. I don't know, but good on you. you And you know what? There's... The entire like the cat's cosmos. out of the bag. Yeah, the entire and and the cat is a lion of the tribe of Judah. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. there is there is a shift, obviously, that has happened in human awareness. You know, my friend uh, Dr. Baxter Kruger, who um, who for 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 a few decades, when he would talk about you know the revelation of union with Christ, he wrote the Great Dance. He wrote you know Jesus and the Undoing of Adam. He wrote Across All Worlds. Um, fantastic stuff, but he literally, when he spoke, he would have to put a, a copy of Athanasius on the incarnation of the Word of God, and um, and another book. I think it was uh, McDonald's Unspoken Sermons or something like that. Two two books on the front pew, so he knew somebody in the room had his back. And and I was talking to him just a few days ago, and. He said, you know, never in my lifetime would I have anticipated seeing the kind of expansion that's happening, that's happening right now. He said, you know, it, it was like pulling teeth to get people to even step in, into the in an arena in which the conversation could have yeah. any kind of meaning to them. And, <laughs> and it's just like, boom, um, you know, quantum theory and all that kind of stuff and the connection of everything. So yes, the cosmos has been waiting for the revelation of the sons of God, which is human beings who actually know who they are. Yes. And, it, and, and sons is a generic term. It doesn't right, right, right. male particularly, but, but it's like, that's what is happening. People are actually beginning to live the truth of their being. Yes. And when that happens, the ripple effects are fantastic. And, and your participation is every time you forgive, every time you tell the truth, every t- instead of lie, every time you you expose your own secrets, uh, every time that you, you know, ask for help. All of these things are movements mm-hmm. that create ripples in the cosmos that are, and, you know, and the good thing is that everything good lasts for a thousand generations, you know. Right, right. Bad, yeah. bad stuff is like six or seven, but, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Feels like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
No, I, I, I honestly just believe that there is a shift taking place and that, um, you know, the, the idea of COVID shutting down all the churches, you know, the, <laughs> at each change of the age, there's this massive it, event. It shut down buildings. Yes, it, yes. It released the church. So, yes, exactly. And so that's that's what I'm saying is that, um, you know, the, the Jerusalem was destroyed or the, you know, the temple was destroyed in, in A.D. 70. They kind of continued on with their sacrificial system to like A.D. 120 or 125 still before it was totally shut down. But that was the changing of an age. And and then you get here and I'm thinking, man, I don't know what bigger sign we would need than to have all the churches, the buildings shut down, you know, all across the globe to indicate, okay, we're shifting. And I do yeah. feel like Father is opening things up to us that haven't been opened before, or either we're finally becoming aware of these things. And the internet has helped, just like I said, to explode this to where yeah. I don't think it's gonna get shut down again. I think we're gonna be able to move into a greater I, I don't think anything has been truly shut down. I, I, I think <laughs> I think it's been it's been postponed or denied in one sense or another, but, yeah. but, um, and known inside the care and the purposes of God in terms of the timing of it, right? Yeah. Because timing is the sandbox of the Holy mm. Spirit. So this is yes. a God who doesn't, who, who doesn't work according to a divine plan, like we had talked about last time. And, yeah. but this is, this is a God who is an artist rather than, um, a, a mathematician with regard to planning. Right. So, um, this is a God who takes into consideration the choices that we are making and submits to them. Yes. Right? The cross yeah. is a submission to human beings who have no clue who they are and what they're doing. And, and this is yeah. a God who submits by nature. And, um, and so what you have is that this is, this is the artist who submits to the word wood much more than the wood trying to submit to the artist. Right. And uh, it's like there is there. I have a friend who is one of the best um, violin makers in the world. Martin Schleski lives in Germany, and um, and a long story about how I connected with him. But <clears throat> but uh, you know, in the old days, the the violin makers would go up into the mountains and look for what they called singer trunks. These hmm. were hmm. these were particular trees that. And, and that what they what the violin makers would do is that they would uh, they knew the loggers were way up in the mountains cutting down trees and throwing them in the rivers because that's the way you got logs down from the mountains, and so the, the violin makers would meet where rivers uh, ran into each other hmm. because the logs would be coming from two different directions and when they hit, you could hear the hmm. singers right and so hmm. they'd find those particular trunks because they made the best violin bodies, and uh, that's what they would then buy Interesting. and then cure and all that they nowadays they take a tuning fork martin does this and for a month or so he'll be up in the mountains tapping on trees looking for the singers thing about the singers that they've discovered especially with modern science is that singers usually grow in a grove and every singer has a molecular structure that is affected every cell in that tree is affected by what the tree experiences that is so, interesting it is very interesting. So if the tree, if a, if a tree next to the singer goes down, the velocity of the wind that hits the trunk changes the molecular structure of the tree and the sound that it makes, right? And so the tree reacts to environment, to too mm -hmm. much sun, whatever, and it twists and turns and, and that affects the molecular structure. So when the, when the violin maker gets it, and Martin says, you know, I could have a perfect, 
um, image, a mathematical perfect violin in my mind. And then I could come to this piece of wood and then try to force my view of perfection on that piece of wood. He said, if I do that, I will destroy the sound and, mm. I, and the integrity of that wood because I don't take into account what it's been through. And here is a fundamental understanding of redemption, that it's not that God justifies the brokenness in our lives, but God submits to it and redeems it. And so this is why he says, this is not about the wood submitting to the, the artist, the violin maker. This is about the violin maker submitting to the wood. And when, he, and when he uses his planer, if he runs into, okay, there's a twist here, he has to allow that twist to exist in order for the sound not to be violated. <laughs> and so the beautiful part That's of that cool. is that our, that our history and our background then gets <clears throat> woven into the sound that we have become and not just lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so where you've been and what your story is actually matters. Well, the, that that goes into um, something with some people I get in a little trouble for when I share this. But um, that part of what's going on just in life in general and with God and with us. And, and again, people can agree or disagree, but it, it works for me. And that is we're part of God's own experience. So whether it's challenging or whether it's great Number one, we wouldn't know contrast if we didn't have the differences, but we are part of God's experience as we go through life, that we're here to have an experience that is going to be added to his overall experience, that he's growing in and through us as we have an experience. So I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but that, you know, would have, we That would are, make sense for Jesus. It wouldn't make sense for um, God as the being who is outside of space and time. Who knows everything that occurs in space and time because yeah. then you then you've got a god who is and and i don't like to say it but that's an early early church history heresy and <laughs> and, and that this is the becoming god and yeah. it is it is in the sense that jesus who is the word of god experiences growth and maturity and growth and wisdom and stature and all of that mm -hmm, as a human mm -hmm. being and and sets aside <laughs> sets aside all all the knowledge and the access to it um, in terms of the deity of Jesus, but fully God. Um, so and not only that, but this Jesus who is nursing at Mary's breast is she lives and moves and has her being in Him because all of creation is created in Him. You know, and yeah. that's that's part of this un believable beauty too beautiful for words the incarnation and all that that means not only to show us who god is but to also show us what it's like to be fully human and fully alive yeah and and so so yes outside in space of uh, in, with all of creation created including time then then all of it is present tense to a god and you know we brought things to that that god in god's wisdom fully knew, but there is a sense in which he experiences it in Christ, yeah. um, in, inside space and time, that is, is a new experience in that sense for, for Jesus as the human being. I remember in seminary, I, I, was, I was kind of offended. You know, it was one of those uh, times where my religious spirit was jumping up, but, but uh, one of the professors, um, he, he proposed you know, the idea, says, the day God grew... 
and uh, you know, the, you know, he goes in and, and describes this whole thing around the crucifixion, you know, and, and, and around Christ coming into the world. That you know, this this was an experience that in time and space he was having a new experience. So that um, you know, he came, he grew. And but Jesus he, was slain from the foundation of the world, so even yeah. before creation, yeah, yeah, you've got the crucifixion. So it's it's like um, it's a paradox. All right, <laughs> well, it is a paradox, and it's an important <clears throat> paradox, and uh, yeah. and um, and it's like ah, oh, it's just like Trinity is a is its own paradox, you yeah. know. But it's yeah. good. We've got a God that we can't fully grasp, and is ex, you know, is controllable and containable. Yeah. Thank yeah. thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a minute or two left. Um, any any final things you'd like to share? Okay. Just in terms of wrap up, the the practical reality about this is that there is a God who is involved in the details of of your life, mm-hmm. who because of love is not standing idly by while anything that is not of love's kind remains in you. That's good. And yet and yet submits to the process that you choose. God will not heal you apart from your participation. This is not a magic bullet. This is not a red or a blue pill. This is not, you know, instant soul makeover. You know, you're too incredibly crafted for quick fixes. But everything that is part of the goodness of God will draw you into the open, into the light, you know, and so that it's the unexposed is the unhealed. So until that which is hidden comes to the surface, it doesn't have a way to actually be exercised or healed or burned away. And, um, and as painful as that is, give yourself to it. John, uh, George MacDonald, if you trust the goodness of God, you will run to God with your arms wide open and say, please come and judge me to the core and yeah. burn yeah. out of me everything that keeps me from being fully human and fully alive. And that means, you know, the little passive aggressive ways mm-hmm. that I adopted to protect my false self. And that, that is the unkindnesses and, and the ways that I judge people and, and um, m- make my judgments a value statement rather than just observations and uh, what diminishes my ability to love and creates my need to hide my inability to tell the truth, mm-hmm. to speak it, to live in it, you know, and, and an unequivocal commitment to nonviolence, you know, in yeah. thought, word, and deed, which is the only true anarchy there really is. <laughs> so good. Well, Paul, thank you so much for honoring me and just doing a, a whole week. I appreciate it so much. It's, um, I think welcome. it's going to bless the people who have watched this. Uh, and, I, and I look forward to our encounters in the future as well. We will have more, I'm sure. And Absolutely. I just thank everybody who's listening. So again, Paul, honor you, bless you, bless you and your family. Thank you so much. Yeah. uh, If you would like to see this, uh, by the way, do you have time for a little bit of the behind the scenes section or do you need to get going? I have a call coming. I've got a few minutes. So I've got a call coming up. All right. So we'll do a behind the scenes section. If you want to see that, go to the kingdomtalksmedia.com. Look for the big easy button that says partnerships and join the behind the scenes section. All right. Thank you all. Bless you. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at kingdomtalksmedia.com. 
please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.